the Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 620 for April 29th, 2018. Sprint and T-Mobile announce an impending merger, Google rolls out a new Gmail, and Amazon raises prime rates. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Kappas. Brought to you each week by the Cell Phone Junkie podcast application, available now for Android and iOS for $1.99. Well, first in the news this week, after nearly six months since the story had seemingly been put to bed, rumors of a T-Mobile and Sprint merger once again started heating up midweek. But rumors, they were not. An announcement put the speculation to bed on Sunday as the companies announced they would be joining forces as a new T-Mobile. The all-stock deal will create the new T-Mobile worth $146 billion with just over 126 million subscribers. That still leaves the combined subscriber base in the number three spot, solidly behind AT&T's 141 million and Verizon's 150 million subscribers, respectively. The new company's combined radio spectrum assets will allow it to accelerate deployment of 5G technology, and 5G is the main focus of this merger. The new T-Mobile plans to spend up to $40 billion of its new combined network in the first three years, 46% more than T-Mobile and Sprint spent combined combined in the last pa- in the past 3 years. The network will have 30 times more capacity and speeds that are up to 100 times faster than today. The new company will assume both the T-Mobile brand and move most of T-Mobile's leadership over to the new company. John Ledger, current president and CEO of T-Mobile US, will serve as CEO of the new company, and Mike Sivert, the current COO of the company, will serve as president and COO. Tim Hotches, uh, the current T-Mobile chairman of the board, will serve as chairman of the board for the new company. And current Sprint CEO, Marcello Claire will also serve on the board. Following the closing, the company will be headquartered in Bellevue, Washington, with a second headquarters in Overland Park, Kansas. The combined company will have lower costs and greater economies of scale, expected to result in a run rate cost synergies of about $6 billion. The transaction is expected to close no later than the first half of 2019, subject to customary closing conditions and those regulatory approvals that all of these mergers, of course, go through. And I would imagine there's probably not going to be too much trouble with this regulatory. It, it, it seems like the current environment is a little bit more pro-business right now and also still being combined, still being in third place by a, actually, you know, kind of kind of a big margin. Uh, it's not, you know, a huge margin, but it's still pretty far back uh, as far as the number of subscribers go. So it, uh, it it seems like something that they've been trying to do here for years. Yeah, it's 10%. Uh, you know, if you if you do that math on the number of AT&T subscribers and um, you know, this is, I think you're right. I mean, when T-Mobile uh, and AT&T talked about mergers, I think it was about three years ago, uh, this was, it was a totally different conversation, which was boosting them and really pushing them into the the, the top spot uh, and, and truly creating this monopolistic environment between AT&T and Verizon. And this is not doing that at all. This is saying, okay, number three and four, you come together and you're still number three and you can hopefully help push uh, some agendas uh, with uh, respect to what the, the, you know, the, the competition is for the consumer in this world. And so I think it makes a lot of sense. And again, if you if you take the time to watch the the announcement video with John Ledger and Marcello Claire, 
you'll hear a ton of conversation about this 5G strategy that they're working through. And I think we're going to see a very fast and rapid deployment uh, with this combined company as soon as they get their kind of their, their ducks in a row. They're going to be focusing very heavily on this. And they did make a very interesting point, which was that they have the ability to do something that the other carriers don't, which is have all this additional spectrum that's not being used today immediately be used for deployment of 5G. And it's spectrum that is in multiple different segments of the, the frequency bands that will allow for a very uh, diverse deployment. And that's also to say it's not all in millimeter wave spectrum, which is a very inefficient way of, uh, of deploying uh, that type of uh, you know new network. And so they're able to take both the 600 megahertz resources, take the stuff that they have in the mid to gigahertz spectrum, and put together a pretty comprehensive network. And all of the while, keeping the LTE networks that both T-Mobile has already deployed and what Sprint has deployed as well, get, keeping those up and running and, uh, and operating for the existing subscriber base and start to migrate people over to the 5G, of course, with the 4G as the fallback, and, uh, and then continue, uh, continue on a path that makes just a lot more sense because they've got the spectrum to do so. They do, and you know, as we know, that uh, Sprint had acquired a ton of spectrum from from Clear uh, back, you know, many years ago. That there was going to be deployed with you know massive networks that they planned on. So that uh, you know that merger was kind of bad for Sprint, and you know, seeing Sprint's brand name go away will not really, uh, you know, that's not a big deal because their you know reputation's been so tarnished in years past. They've been working hard to try to to recover it, but it really just not uh, has not been a good recovery for Sprint. So that, uh, you know, no, no loss there. Uh, hopefully this goes better than the Sprint and Nextel merger. I'm sure it will, but that's still a risk, you know, but that sometimes these mergers just do not work out well because they don't get along. But hopefully they've, uh, they've got a good enough plan here where they do. Well, and it's not like, uh, in in some ways, it's not like Nextel, where you've effectively had a, a you know you know a contracting subscriber base of Nextel, and uh, and th- this is one that you know Sprint is, um, you know, it's it's seeing positive growth. It's not anywhere near what the other guys are are doing, but it's at least in the you know it's, I'll just say treading water range, and so uh, they're going to pick up all of these subscribers, and there might be some customers that jump ship because there always are, and you know everyone is looking for any small excuse to change carriers at this point. And so uh, that this could be the, you know, they say, I don't want to be a T-Mobile customer. And it, for whatever reason, they just decide to go. They're still using the same phone, same network, same everything. Um, you know, but on the on the flip side of that, you know, perhaps we'll see some you know additional synergies on the existing stuff that's already out there uh, that will allow for some you know additional roaming agreements that or what would have been roaming agreements to now be just like in network uh, roaming, if you will. Another thought that you know crossed my mind when I first read this was the Google Fi devices uh, are using both T-Mobile and Sprint. So obviously, in the short term, nothing really changes. You've got you know you know separate you know networks that are being run. And so the device will switch back and forth. But long term, what happens to that? I mean, it, you're, you're losing that, you know, diversity of network and, and you're now going to be effectively on just T-Mobile if you're using Google Fi. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Right. So, you know, you kind of mentioned it earlier, too. But I, I, to me, this the timing of this is really fascinating around the 5G because they, they're talking about deploying 5G. But now they can deploy one 5G network instead of trying to take two uh, 4G LTE networks like they have now that are, of course, they are very different, exceptionally different, uh, and, and say, well, maybe we can start moving subscribers over from Sprint to T-Mobile. For No, no. They just start with a brand new 
5G network and it's one 5G network. Uh, and that'll be a much different, uh, you know, integration version than trying to, 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 to mess with the 4G networks and try to combine them and get people off and then refarm the spectrum and do all this different thing. No, they don't even have to do that. They just plow forward with just one network. So it, it may be quite a bit, uh, it does make a lot more sense. Yeah, it seems like it's the right time. And, and obviously it was, you know, we, we talked again, six months ago it was, it's at the end of uh, you know 2017. And this was it just, they weren't there yet on the terms. And, and I'm, I'm assuming that this conversation never really stopped. It was just a, you know, it, it went kind of behind closed doors and you just didn't hear as much about it because it wasn't uh, close enough to being finalized. And now we are in late April and, and we're there now. Right. And of course, SoftBank has been trying to kind of get rid of Sprint for years and, and Deutsche Telekom has been trying to get rid of T-Mobile for years. And this is, uh, you know, now it's finally kind of come to fruition, finally, that something has happened with the two companies. Um, and, and, uh, and of course, the parent companies uh, uh, finally have got their wish here where that's now something finally has happened. And nothing happens tomorrow. Nothing happens next month and probably nothing happens in 2018. Again, the expected close date, uh, early 2019 uh, and really early, meaning the first half. Um, there's going to be, you know, obviously a lot of, you know, scrutiny over the transaction. But uh, as you mentioned, you know, a few minutes ago, Joey, it does seem like this is, you know, got a, a recipe for, uh, you know, success in the approval process. So we'll uh, we'll keep a very close eye on this one and talk it through uh, as it moves forward. Next up, Qualcomm is weighing a major change in licensing strategy to ensure that its patent licensing business continues to earn money. As it functions now, Qualcomm charges device makers a percentage of the total sale price to cover patented technology within that device. So the more the phone costs, the more Qualcomm earns per device. Some believe this practice is unfair, including Apple uh, and the governments of the U.S., China, and Korea. Apple has withheld more than a billion dollars in royalty payments from Qualcomm as the two argue over this licensing model. But in order to avoid such conflicts in the future, Qualcomm says that it may cap the phone price at $400. And with that calculation, Qualcomm would take a cut of the sale price up to $400, even for devices that cost more. iPhones, which iPhones that is, which sell for over $1,000 in some cases, would effectively be treated like a $400 device when Qualcomm calculates how much is owed for licensing. This would lower the amount of money Qualcomm earns in each of these deals, but could uh, allow them to sidestep disagreements with customers. Uh, and uh, the information was uh, shared with Qualcomm executives during the company's recent quarterly earnings call. And uh, Qualcomm did not say, though, when they actually might move forward with this shift in strategy. Next up, Taiwan-based MediaTek this week said that it has halted business with China-based ZTE for the time being. MediaTek, along with other Taiwanese companies that supply ZTE, received a memo from the government of Taiwan that orders it to obtain a permit before shipping any goods to ZTE. It said, what we do is asking suppliers to apply for an export permit uh, and for companies for the company's own good to ensure that they are doing legal business with these Chinese firms. Uh, the deputy director and spokesperson for the Taiwan Bureau of Foreign Trade made those comments. Immediatex CEO has come out and said that the company would comply with the order during a call with analysts, and they have now since suspended shipments to ZTE until it gathers the proper paperwork from the Chinese government. ZTE did not comment on the development. 
And Cricket Wireless on Monday said its service plans now have new names. The new names corresponded with changes the company made to the offerings back on April 22nd. For the sake of clarity, the former Cricket Unlimited plan is now called, called Cricket Unlimited Max. That's $60 a month providing unlimited high-speed data up to 22 gigs, unlimited calls, texts, and picture messages between the U.S., Canada, and Mexico. Cricket Unlimited 2 is now called Cricket Unlimited 2, with just a space removed between the words unlimited and 2. That plan costs $55 a month and provides unlimited data speeds at 3 megabits per second with video streams capped at SD quality. Like the Max plan, the Unlimited 2 plan provides unlimited calls, texts, and picture messages between the U.S., Canada, and Mexico. You can also save with either of these plans up to $5 a month if you enroll in AutoPay. They are both available now. In device news, uh, we've got two stories. First up, LG says its forthcoming flagship will have a redesigned full vision display, adding a number of new technologies. The screen, which will measure 6.1 inches across the diagonal at the new aspect ratio of 19.5 by 9 to account for the additional screen real estate forming the notch on the top of the screen around the cameras and other sensors. The company says it reduced the size of the bottom bezel by 50% when compared to the G6 to give the phone even more screen real estate on the front. It has uh, 3210 by 1440 pixels for quad HD plus resolution. The G7 ThinQ uses LG's super bright display LCD technology and claims to have a brightness of 1,000 nits, making it one of the brighter displays available on today's phones. LG says it allows users uh, the convenience of operating the phone in almost any lighting condition and specifically under bright sunlight while reducing power consumption by as much as 30% from the G6. LG also claiming the screen can automatically adapt to six screen color settings depending on the content such as movies, sports, games, and such. And the phone analyzes the owner's activity and switches screen color profiles to match on the fly in order to conserve power. Beyond the automatic tool, owners will be able to take full control over the display's color profiles through dedicated RGB sliders. The LG G7 ThinQ is expected to be announced next month. Well, OnePlus said it will announce its next flagship at an event planned for May 16th in London. We've been talking about this for a while. The company has recently been teasing features of the phone, and earlier this week said the device will have a metal and glass design with a glass rear panel. The company has not shared any other details about the phone. More information will be available next month. In software news, Apple distributing iOS 11.3.1 to iPhones and iPads on Wednesday to solve a problem with third-party displays. Apparently, some displays on the iPhone 8, when repaired with non-Apple displays, became unresponsive to touch. iOS 11.3.1 fixes that issue. The update also, according to Apple, improves the security of all iPhones and iPads. 11.3.1 is free to download. Yeah, we talked about this just uh, briefly before the show. Um, I downloaded it. Uh, you have not. Um, it seems like all these other, you know, dot one updates to uh, just really fix a very specific issue. I, I have not seen anything, uh, you know, come of this. And, and there's still a couple of, you know, major uh, features from iOS 11 that are still missing. The one that is very glaring to me is this messages in the cloud where you've got the synchronization of your messages across all your devices. And we're still not there yet with it. Right. And in AirPlay 2, has that been released yet or is that still pending as well? I think that's still uh, not really 
uh, available yet. That, that was another feature that was announced with uh, iOS 11 uh, way back in June of last year. So they are they are really slipping with what they're delivering. We still don't have the air mat or power mat thing with the Qi charger for the three devices all at once: the watch, the uh, phone, and the uh, what was it? What else were you supposed to charge? AirPods, yes. Uh, and we I don't think we have the the charging Qi charging case yet either for that. So. Um, yeah, these devices are definitely slipped. Uh, and, you know, the, of course, the uh, every, everybody remembers the HomePod fell months behind as well. So Apple's, uh, boy, definitely not keeping up with what even they're promising and announcing, which is, of course, very un-Apple. Yeah, and I would say that, you know, it doesn't seem like, again, anything has really changed on the, you know, in the feature side. Um, the stability seems to be fairly decent uh, now with 11.3. It's It's still... I think it you know has a little bit of room for improvement. Uh, I'm still finding you know issues. I was trying to you know I don't remember what it was do, do something earlier today and I ended up having to you know reset the device because it wasn't working quite right. But uh, something with an orientation. But um, there's you know the other side of it is the the apps are uh, as they're getting updated. I feel like there's at least the ones that I'm using and maybe because they're more mainstream type of apps. Uh, are really seeing uh, a, a lot of solidify, uh, you know, stable, stabilizing updates to them as well. Um, a lot of bug squashing, et cetera, and uh, you know, some interesting new features, and uh, but mostly just trying to make them so that they're working more solid and um, you know they're crashing less. I, I don't see a lot of app crashes, and which is making me happy. And so just you know, especially on the iPad, which I'm on literally all day long, and uh, as a primary computing device, is something I I really appreciate having this stability now. And this is kind of how it always is: is like six months later after the the software is like finally fully baked, and they squashed a lot of these bugs. Now it finally feels good but now it's like this march towards the well we've got a new software coming out in six more months and now you're thinking oh we're gonna here we go again we get six good months and then we're back to bugville well it's only two months because june they'll announce ios 12 and then the beta testing will start and then everybody's now on to, you know that then they start trying to work on the new uh, ios to make app compatibility so then the the current uh, iOS 11 app compatibility starts to suffer because they're now working on the next version of iOS, and then we so we've got two months here, Mickey, just two, two I'm more. That's I, it. I'm gonna I'm gonna love the rest of this spring. It's really gonna be great. Just stop running app updates as soon as that hits, that beta hits. Just just stop right there, and well, uh, yeah, uh, then you're done. And it's it's a really good point. I actually I turned off automatic updating um, week before last, I think it was, and so I'm seeing all of these updates as they're coming through. And there's something else to that as well, being a little bit more conscious about when these apps are getting their updates and, and seeing as they come through. Um, and some of the the developers are very impressive. I mean, the multiple times a week they're sending out these updates, and it's you know just to you know get the uh, you know get the smallest features and, and improvements you know into the uh, you know into the code. It's really nice to see. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, this is you know the kind of the, the general agitation I think of most people right now is that you're just. Uh, you're 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 seeing certain things and things are sort of going well, but you're just your expectations are you know way higher than uh, than what they can meet, especially with uh, with Apple stuff. But either way, uh, nice to see another update come out on uh, the uh, the overall software for the device. Uh, a few updates from Google uh, on its mail and productivity applications. So Google on Wednesday introducing new features to Gmail, both on the web and mobile devices. Uh, the web version of Gmail sees the largest number of changes and adds smart features meant to help people move through their email more efficiently. The interface has been refreshed with a new design, new controls, and dedicated access to calendar tasks 
and the Keep applications. Gmail users can now click on attachments such as documents and photos without scrolling through entire threads, as well as use a new snooze button to put off emails for later. Gmail's Smart Reply feature, which has been available for in mobile Gmail for some time, now comes to the web. Gmail will suggest quick replies to help people push out responses faster. In the same vein, Google will nudge people to respond to emails if they sit unanswered for several days with gentle reminders. New security features are also coming, such as the ability to restrict emails and attachments from being copied, printed, or forwarded. Further, Gmail users can make a message expire after a set period of time to help people stay in control of what they send to their contacts. Gmail will also be a bit more proactive about notifying people about potential scam messages. Uh, On mobile devices, the new Gmail adds high-priority notifications that will notify people of important incoming messages. And finally, Gmail on mobile devices will be more proactive about helping people unsubscribe from unwanted newsletters. The new Gmail for the web is rolling out with new features now. And uh, the updated Gmail mobile apps uh, for both Android and iOS uh, are available from the Play Store and iTunes App Store immediately. Uh, obviously, most of uh, you know the the world it seems uses Gmail. I think there's like I don't know one point something billion Gmail accounts that are in the use in use today, and uh, it's you know it it is nice to see a refresh and. You know, the obviously we've been looking at the same Gmail now for many years and they've done minor tweaks. And this is, you know, takes it to a different level. And I'm actually really excited uh, in, in some of the things that they've done. It makes it a lot easier for, and, and more efficient when you're going through and especially triaging, which take it, you know, be perfectly frank. I think most of us, that's all we really do with our Gmail accounts because it's just personal for most of us is you just go through and, you know, delete most of the stuff or read through stuff really quickly and, and move on. Um, and it just, it goes a lot faster now. And so I, I do appreciate that. And uh, it is, uh, it is nice that they're, you know, kind of integrating this stuff in with the, the mobile apps as well. Uh, if that's what you choose to do, I of course use uh, a third party application. So I don't get to take advantage of any of these new features on that, on that side. But uh, either way, it's still uh, nice to see that they're uh, making and finally have made a big update here to Gmail. And Google believing its Tasks mobile application for both Android and iOS will help users manage and complete tasks more efficiently. So this app lets people create task lists, view, edit, and manage tasks from any device and control tasks created in Gmail, Google Calendar, or on the web for mobile devices. It supports granular details with individual tasks as well as subtasks and the ability to check off progress as parts of tasks are completed. People can create tasks directly uh, from an email in Gmail, view tasks in a side panel of Gmail, and trace tasks back to their source email. Further, the app lets people set due dates from those tasks, tasks and organize them by date or priority and receive notifications to keep you on track. Uh, They also said the integration with Google's G Suite business email service is there. The mobile application is free to download from the Google Play Store and the iTunes App Store. In Spotify this week, changing its free service offering that takes advantage of machine learning to recommend music to customers. Uh, The changes apply mostly to the mobile application. So when a customer first signs up for Spotify, they'll be asked the names of their favorite artists. So Spotify machine learning algorithms can begin to churn out recommendations. Spotify's free listeners will gain access to the songs that they want and when they want them, so long as the tunes fall 
into the 15 personalized playlists created by Spotify. Each playlist holds 50 songs, providing free listeners access to up to 750 on-demand tracks that can be listened to over and over. Previously, Spotify's free tier didn't have access to on-demand tracks. Spotify will use what it calls assisted playlisting to help, which means as people search for songs in Spotify, it will automatically uh, search them or show them in the similar songs and similar songs right away. Uh, this takes advantage of the user interest as they build playlists for themselves. Finally, Spotify introduced a low data mo- mode to help users conserve mobile data when on the go. Spotify claims low data mode reduces over the air. Uh, data by as much as 75% while maintaining quality. Spotify is rolling out a revised mobile application and experience to free users over the next couple of days. And in the long run, Spotify hopes the improved free tools will entice more people to subscribe to its $10 per month premium service. Amazon on Thursday said it will increase the price of its Amazon Prime service from $99 to $119 on May 11th. They say, as we continue to increase the value of Prime, uh, the company's, uh, we continue to increase the value of Prime, this according to the CFO uh, in a recent quarterly earnings call. Uh, They said Amazon Prime gives members expedited shipping, discounts, and access to cloud-based services such as Prime Movies and Prime Music. Amazon also offers discounts on select phones to Prime members via its Amazon Prime Exclusives program. Uh, Also of note, the rising costs uh, for these digital benefits uh, had to be factored in as well. Uh, So the May 11th rate increase will apply to all new members, and the price will go up on June 16th for all existing Prime members who renew the yearly service. So point is, if uh, if you can get in and renew your service now and save the 20 bucks at least for the next year. Right. So I wonder how long it'll be until these services get unbundled, because I wonder if a lot of people are like, okay, I want to have the, you know, just the, the streaming video, but maybe 120s too high. But if you compare it with the price of Netflix, it's not that bad. So it makes it fairly easy to kind of justify it if you if you just use the Amazon Music or use just one of these services or the free sh- or the the, the free two day shipping or expedited shipping. And for me, a lot of cases, it's the same day shipping. I ordered a micro SD card the other day. It was must have been eleven or noon, and I had it within a couple of hours, just on normal Prime, not even the Prime Now, where it's like the courier that comes and brings it. But this was just standard uh, Prime shipping that was same day. Uh, but I wonder you know, at some point they may have to break it off because it'll be too, you know, too much of a, a gap between the, the people that they want to have these services. Well, I personally love everything that I get out of the membership. And even at $120, I mean, that's still, that's 10 bucks a month and that's well worth it. Um, I, I use $10 worth of the music service alone and ten dollars worth of the shipping service alone and then you know if it was anything i would i would say i could you know give or take on the video just because um you know really the only stuff i ever watch on there is the the amazon exclusive stuff um and even then it's it's very hit or miss and so i could uh, i could easily you know give that up if i needed to because i still have netflix and don't plan to give that up so i don't see right yeah and I, i like the amazon video as well i don't use it a ton there are that to me, it seems like there's some more movies on there compared to Netflix, but that's you know probably just relative. Yeah, a couple of the shows are decent. Uh, uh, the music, I I've, I've tried it a few times, and I just always forget about it. And I'm not sure why. I, I think it's probably because I'm just so used to my uh, Sirius subscription. I always just go to that directly, and uh, usually kind of forget about Amazon unless I'm specifically trying to find a particular song, and and I know I don't have it in an MP3 collection. I'll go right to the Amazon and see if it's there. 
uh, which sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't, but it is nice to have that option. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the one of the apps in my dock on the phone, and so I, I use it, you know, pretty regularly in the car. Um, you know, I also have it, uh, you know, in the toolbar on, you know, on my internet browser so that I, you know, listen to it a lot during the day as well. The one downside, uh, is that it only works on one stream at a time. So because my wife uses it a lot as well, uh, we run into that conflict, you know, I would say probably every couple of days. I mean, it happens actually quite often. Um, and so you've got to just keep that in mind. Uh, if you're sharing your account with somebody else is that you can only use one, uh, stream at a time, which Again, it, it happens quite a bit that we have a conflict. And does that change if you do? Because they have that also, that $10 a month where it's uh, changed it to uh, the premium subscription. That may be an option. They, they may provide more streams if you do that. I believe you get at least two. Uh, we, had a, we did a three-month trial of that last year, and um, it was pretty decent. I mean, you get access to pretty much every song you can think of. Uh, it's not every song, but it's it, it seems like it's dramatically more than what you get. Um, I'm just not as on demand of a music listener as I once used to be. So I literally turn on a station and I mean, I probably listen to the same 50 songs, you know, over and over and over for a month and then I'll find a new station and all I'm doing is searching an artist. And then from that artist, I just get all the, you know, algorithmic songs from that artist. And again, it's the same stuff over and over, but you know, in some in some ways, it's kind of like the modern day mix CD. Like you figured out a way to put this together, and you listen to it a bunch of times. And you know, at some point, you get sick of it, and you go, eh, "I want to listen to something else." Um, but uh, and it's really easy. And I just I don't like thinking about music anymore, so it just kind of works out well. But I, to your point, I think that does get you around that limitation. If I if I recall, you at least get a, a couple of streams. And um, you know, if you use you know the the stuff at home for you know, uh, stuff like Sonos, which is kind of how we always see this conflict happen is because, you know, someone will turn on Sonos at home and uh, be listening to music in the background because that's what you do. And then you'll have, you know, someone will get in the car and try and turn it on the car and then you get the conflict. The good news is that you can like, if if you're both on top of it, you can like, you know, press through the conflict. So like you can hit play and like the other person's stream doesn't stop. they just the next song doesn't start. And so then they can press play on theirs, but it's annoying and you just don't do it. Right. So, um, but, uh, either way, that sounds horrible. <laughs> it is horrible. It's horrible. Yeah. And, and usually what happens is the person who is like not actively listening, like at home, just kind of like goes, well, I guess I'm going to find a tune in station and just listen to the radio because <laughs> it's just not worth, worth the time. But either way, uh, so, um, Amazon's price goes up and you deal with it. And, and I, I saw it and I went, well, I just renewed my annual subscription just came through this week so i'm good here for at least another 51 weeks before i've got to pay that additional 20 bucks uh, Facebook this week gave parents more control over messenger kids. Uh, so a new sleep mode lets parents set a designated on and off time for the application. The predetermined schedule will make the application inaccessible when parents deem children should be sleeping, doing homework, participating in other activities without distraction. Parents can manage sleep mode from the parental control center in the parents Facebook account. Parents already have the ability to add and remove contacts, delete the app or account, and create a new account from the control panel. Kids Messenger is free to download from the iTunes App Store and the Google Play Store. 
Well, questions and comments this week. Uh, we've got one. It comes from Tom, and he says, a long-time listener, I love the show, just got the S9 after many years with the iPhone and tried to deal with the lack of a headphone jack, but the hassle was just not worth the effort. Uh, I need to unlock the S9, though. I bought it right from Samsung. It's the AT&T version. It was hundreds of dollars cheaper than either the unlocked version or the T-Mobile version, who is my carrier. Uh, do you know of any reputable places where I can buy an unlock code. Thanks, Tom. Um, well, I have personally not unlocked anything in uh, the last few years, uh, so I don't have a source that I can personally recommend to say this is one that I've used and this is a, a great place. Um, however, I know there are many of our listeners out there that have done some unlocking recently. So I'll, first thing I will say is uh, throw it out to anybody who's, you know, if you used a, one of these services recently, please let us know. Uh, send us an email uh, or give us a phone call and just let us know what that is so we can pass it along to Tom. The second thing I would say is, so you bought the AT&T version. Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not exactly sure uh, what the, the uh, you know, the thinking is with that other than because of how much cheaper it was. Um, but if you don't have a, uh, if you're with AT&T, if you don't have an account with them that has a, an outstanding balance, I would also recommend trying to go through them and see if there's anything that they can do for you if there's no balance on this phone uh, to help get an unlock code. If you're not a customer, though, I'm not sure how this is actually going to play out. Would have to You'd have to reach out to them and, and check and see and say, I've got this device, it's locked to your network. Uh, I don't have, you know, I'm not financing the phone with, with you. And can you provide the unlock code? Because I have in the past gone to AT&T and had them provide unlock codes. Uh, but that is uh, as I was an AT&T and customer. So you have to check in that and to, that route to see if that would work. Um, you know, and I, I would just say, finally, if there are, you know, any places that are out there that you found, you know, in your searches, um, you know, you know, make sure that they appear to have, you know, solid reviews on them, you know, not just from the recent reviews, but the reviews over, you know, a period of time from people that have used them. Uh, and also specifically, unlocking reviews for uh, Samsung devices and hopefully S9s in particular. Uh, that's one thing that I, I found is that some of the services, you know, work really well or they've got an inside track that allows them to do unlocking for one particular type of device very well. And a lot of times it's Apple devices. And so, um, you know, but maybe they, they don't have, uh, you know, the right software to do the other ones. And so, you know, I would again, make sure that, you know, whatever site you're using, um, it's probably going to be anywhere between 50 and a hundred dollars. A lot of times these, these services are kind of in that like $79 price point. Uh, but, uh, you know, again, if you saved a bunch of money, then this is going to be a small price to pay in order to get this device working for you. So, um, but again, personally I haven't used any, so I don't feel real comfortable giving you a name of one, um, you know, but, uh, again, if someone else has used one, I'd be more than happy to pass it along. So please give us a call. Uh, or send us an email. Uh, and uh, if you have any other questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you on those as well. That email address is questions at the cell phone junkie.com and a phone number to leave us a voicemail 650-999-0524. And we'll get whatever you have to say on a future show. Joey, thank you very much as always for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.